Welcome to the ABC of Vita. We are back after a long time. Um, it feels like a long time. Can you, can you hear that I have a very hoarse voice today? I can hear it. It's very radio, radio voice. R- radio voice. I have the, today I'm going to do the show in my radio voice. Very good. Why? Because for about four weeks now I have the flu. What the fuck? Four weeks of flu? Four weeks of flu is Maybe really long. Maybe you should long. check with a psychoanalyst. Um, I should actually, because <laughs> I've, I've checked with a <laughs> with a know, real doctor, with an actual doctor, and he couldn't find anything. <laughs> okay. So it's obvious I have to check with a psychoanalyst at mm. this point. So, but uh, listen, this is a radio show. People tune in to feel better for themselves, to like, you know, have a good time. We cannot like take them down. We have to be like cheerful yeah. and pleasant. No, we will be cheerful. I mean, what we have decided for today's show. Mm-hmm is that um, because we've done two shows in a row that were far too experimental, Yeah, we've decided that today's show is going to be quite poppy. Pop. Like, for the masses. Yeah, as you, you can know, hear, they are uploading. And now we are, uploading. we are on iTunes. <laughs> we should cater for the, like, iPhone crowds who like to listen to the podcast on the way to their, like... Crossfit. Yeah, to give them like positive energy. Yeah, good vibes. Good vibes. Um, Thoughtful insights. Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, altogether to have a good time, you know. Good time. This notion of uh, having a good time. Good time. Good time. This is the G episode we are discussing. All concepts, people, ideas. Starting, starting with a G. Letter G. Mm-hmm. If you don't know, this show is about different concepts starting from different letters each episode focusing on one letter and today's show is the, the G seventh seventh we've reached the G spot I've never I've never thought that we would make it to the seventh episode it's true I think it's like one third of the alphabet almost uh, yeah <laughs> like a little or less. maybe m- more like one fourth yeah one fourth what did they say <coughs> one third one fourth yeah, that's what I meant. So. A bit more than one fourth, if that sounds better to it's you. Very ambitious. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I, it's it's good that. And we haven't run out of concepts. We have still things to talk about. Um, we hopefully, hopefully, like, yeah. Today's show is the good <laughs> having a good time show. I'm having a great time. Um, we are going to have a good time together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We are going to talk about lots of. Funny things today. Funny things, yeah. We lots of personal stories. Lots of personal stories. We got like some today. feedback from Ireland mm-hmm. that they didn't like our experimental shows mm-hmm. because they are like pretentious. Mm-hmm. And so we decided to go back to our roots and do like a radio for yeah, the people. Actual radio for the masses. With like discussions and, and personal uh, anecdotes, mm-hmm. jokes. And the things that, after all, people have loved us for, mm-hmm. you know. They don't love us as experimental artists. Because we're kind of crappy as experimental artists. Yeah, well, not mm. crappy, but let's say okay. Like yeah. middle of the road. Nothing spectacular. Yeah. But as uh, poppy storytellers, then we're, we're quite doing, good. I'm not a good storyteller, actually. You're a terrible storyteller. <laughs> but as a, as a duo... Yeah. The you you kind of police my yeah, platitudes. And exactly. And the... And the, the um, you know, the way in which the story develops and then uh, we kind of go into self-reflexive modes and so on. Mm. Works nicely, I think. Mm. It's very current. <laughs> As you can hear, the... The audience... Loves it. 
They love it. They love the they show. They eat it every time, every single time. Um, we've been overwhelmed by your love. So overwhelmed. Um, a lot of messages. Uh, my inbox is filling up as we speak. Mm, it's really overwhelming. Sometimes And you don't know if it's us who speak. Or the audience themselves. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite it's metaphysical. Really. Out of body experience. Yeah. Yeah. So it's posthuman, as we say. Would you like to go to the first topic, or would you like to go to a song first? Uh, let's lubricate this discussion with the song, since we we go for the fun show. Okay, this is the fun show, What? and we're going to start with Jerry and the Holograms. Oh, really? With the song Jerry and the Holograms. Okay.
what do you think of this song? What the fuck is this song? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's this this project called Jerry and the Holograms. Right. And they have two songs and one is Jerry and the Holograms. Very nice. Um I don't know what's the deal with Jerry and the Hologram and Holograms and Gem and the, the Holograms that followed. It's really I mean, it's really bizarre to be a coincidence. Yes. But it's really hard to to like because Jerry and the Holograms they're from Manchester. Mm-hmm. Then Gem and the Holograms is a TV show in the States. Mm-hmm in the mid 80s coming like six years later so I don't know maybe subliminally I don't know some kind of Jungian kind of unconscious like but universal did, unconscious didn't you say that you discovered that someone involved in Gem and the Holograms was, was called, called Jerry. Jerry Jerry but he was a different Jerry yeah I, I tried to figure out no I'm not saying it's the same Jerry it was just like but this coincidence is going too far now <laughs> it's, isn't it's it it's a bit we're entering conspiratorial territories <laughs> Let's so, go yeah. back to the show. Mm-hmm. You know what's the first keyword? Greekness. Oh, Greekness. Oh, fucking okay. hell, again, again. Why Why I keep going back to that topic? And, you know, we, we somehow, we, we, I feel like we ought to tell people why we keep going back to that topic. Is Because they think that we are a bit stuck with this. Or like, it's almost like this critical position is so obsessive that it ends up being like nationalist yeah that also can be a, a kind of um, you know for example our like record label mm-hmm. Fittini mm-hmm. Uh, states that um, it supports music uh, with uh, based on Greek language it has like Greek <gasps> language really music. Well, not, not ex- really. It doesn't say so. that. It doesn't say that. It but, doesn't say that. But we release basically Greek music, right? Greek yeah, songs, yeah. Mostly, uh, mostly, yeah, yeah, mostly, mostly, mostly. So, what, what's the limit of you know? At, at which point would you? And wh- why would we do that? And at which point would you say that this d- dealing with Greekness starts becoming obsessive and so self-referential mm. that it's like almost full circle, being surrounded by your own by by this world in a way. What do you have to say to this kind of accusation? It's a difficult question. It's a very difficult question. What do you have to say to this question? I mean, maybe... Do you think that maybe we're taking some things f- for granted and mm. we should... Explain. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean... I mean, especially since, since the show is in English. Mm-hmm. FITA started in 2012. Mm-hmm. And, and what uh, was the context? What was the context? You give the context. We want to make a music project, mm-hmm. spoken word. Mm-hmm. Mm. And at the time, the so-called indie scene, the alternate, alternative like underground scene, was like mostly projects like based in Athens or in Thessaloniki, but in English, like with English lyrics. So no matter the genre, it could be like, you know, poppy, indie kind of guitar or it could be like more noisy or new wavy or different kinds of things but it was always like or most of the times English lyrics and what's the problem with that? well I'm it's really difficult to say it's problematic per se because of course if someone feels suffocated by Greece and they want to escape and pretend they are in LA that's okay Mm -hmm. as many do as many yeah and it's true that like the Greek context can be suffocating but very often it's not This is not positioned as such. Mm-hmm. It's not positioned as, as an escapism, as a as a solution of that is the only possible way to express ourselves, like in a way that is not. But I mean, we're doing our show in English. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as we, 
mm-hmm. for many of the of the indies in like I want to say shit uh, scene um, they thought that okay if you release music Greece, in English yeah, you can you have like a larger market a larger audience mm-hmm. because Greece is so small the Greek scene is small the alternative scene is even smaller so why not try to And as but is this mostly the reason, or is it something to do <coughs> with a? This with is a, a pretext with a very strange, interesting kind of relationship of Greeks to Greekness. Yeah, and to be honest, like there is this thing about we say about the experiences, like, like we we give a lot of stress on like the embodied experience of the people and everything and everything like that. And to be honest, the two of us despite my accent I've been living in, in the UK for like five years mm-hmm. and I, I, I think I've, my broken English is part of like a London culture in a way uh-huh. so in a way I, I feel there is something there for me to negotiate culturally and, and psychologically so doing things in English to me is like dealing with that experience in mm-hmm. a sense so I feel like a lot of the alienation we might have felt at the time when we started FITA uh, with the English-speaking indie scene was how, like, it seemed to be completely separated from what the experience in the on the ground was. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and But there that, is this that, thing with... That, the that brings us to an interesting paradox, though, because mm. on the one hand, we're like, okay, you, you should sort of, like, look at yourself and look at your experiences, mm. and your experiences are are Greek-speaking experiences and Greek mm-hmm. context mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. on. Yeah. But on the other hand, we come with a fiercely anti-Greek uh, position yeah. in, in our politics and so on. Yeah, exactly. So we're not saying, oh, we have to, you know, like value the Greek language because it's so rich and so coming straight from the ancient years right. and stuff like that. Bullshit. No, obviously we don't say that. But I'm not, I'm not even saying that. I'm, I'm saying obviously we don't say that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. still, why do we consider it important or how do we negotiate the importance of of the language in our work together with the anti-greekness it's almost like you have to some deal with trauma is it something like this i think so like okay you can obviously we don't say that everyone should deal with their traumas like whatever you choose how to deal with your traumas when to to deal with them and if you you ever do if you ever do but um in my opinion at least like dealing with the drama means dealing with the shit dealing with the violence dealing with the with the embodiment of the trauma so like identifying in a way with with the experience and kind of trying to 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 negotiate it within its context not just like stepping out of it and looking it from afar but kind of you know fully uh, Embodying, yeah, fully kind of... Um, being it, yeah. Yeah, being it and uh, re- renegotiating it. So, um, and this has to happen for you in the Greek language. So this is the thing, like, I, I believe in this immediacy of this experience, but, but I don't think it has a purity. I think it's, it's also very important to deconstruct this language, to, to create new languages, so to insert, like... Uh, your own lingo, um, you know, use English language, English words while you speak Greek. So I'm, I'm uh, yeah, sure, and Greeklish and so on. And yeah, Greeklish is a different topic. Yeah, but maybe we won't do it now. Um, um, but uh, uh, but so so in a sense, I feel like you can only deconstruct it once you've you've somehow dealt with it or kind of, I don't know, is it naive? 
No, I'm, I don't want to go to a naive like empiricism. Oh, you have to experience. But okay, should we? Let me just like zoom out a little bit because yeah. we went totally into Greek language. Mm-hmm. Whereas the concept was the concept was Greekness. Greekness, okay. Greekness. It's um, different. It's, but there are like strong overlaps. Uh, ultimately, why are you interested in deconstructing Greekness? Mm. And is Greekness something that doesn't change? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a this is a completely different question. Like, yeah, I think. Is there a specific type of Greekness that I don't you believe criticize? that Greekness would disappear if I dis- deconstructed well enough. Right. I don't have this fantasy that oh we can go out and make fun of Greekness and then Greekness poof, disappears. No, it's a, like a co- constant antagonism. You put forward into the public discourse antagonistic narratives that basically attack the na- the the natural aspect of Greekness, like like all these things that we've learned that they are like that and they cannot be in another way. For example? The machismo of the Greek culture. Right. Um, the connection the, uh, to ancient, to ancient Greece. Greece uh, the fantasy of, 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 uh, of exceptionalism uh, of the Greek nation uh, mm-hmm. uh, and so on and so forth. Um, so you, you try to show with your very like aggressive way that these things are not for granted mm-hmm. and basically um, this creates like backlash and then but someone could say instead of opens being, up a discussion instead of being anti-Greek why don't you <coughs> just suggest a different kind of Greekness so like this is the thing and also what I, I, I live in Victoria Square it's a very yeah. it's a Greek neighborhood but it's not really a Greek Greek style neighborhood yeah, it's a very yeah. mixed thing but you can say that this is a kind of New Athens so like, is a kind of new Greekness in a so way. So like the gay friendliness of like a new generation, for example, mm-hmm. or the, the second generation immigrants who identify as Greeks mm-hmm. uh, or the, the who want to carry the flag. I don't know. Um, so there, there is like a question there of like, is there a possibility possibility of Greekness to change? And I think it's a it's a diff, it's a, it's not necessarily um, contradictory. That's okay if you believe that, uh, you know, this Greekness can be inclusive. You 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 should you should you should stop re- ridiculing what you think is essential in Greekness. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's what I have to say. But but yeah, there there is a, a certain kind, maybe a sense of humanism, almost like. Uh, like you attack Greekness because you fantasize that it could be better here. Maybe, yeah. I don't know. And also, when you keep talking about Greekness, even from an anti position, you reconstruct this monster that is undefeatable. And if Greek yeah. was Maria you Kare, you, 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 if Greece was Maria Kare, why? What would she say? What would she say? Why are you so obsessed with me? Oh, yeah. <laughs> if Greece was Maria Kare. Why, why are you so obsessed with me? Let's move to the second song by a Japanese band called Kernik. I like the artwork, but I don't actually, I cannot pronounce it, but enjoy. Yeah. Come on. 
short song. Very nice, though. I really like it. I don't know much about this project. Yeah, uh, I don't know nothing, actually. Um, it's a bit disappointing. It's very difficult because it's. Um, I haven't found m- much information online um, uh. about them other than in Japanese. Mm. And my Japanese is a little rusty. That's why God gave us the Google Translate. Oh, so many G words. This, I, I always hate this laugh track because it's like a slow burner. <laughs> it's kind of like... It's the opposite of the American like uh, sitcom laugh track. That's like a burst that <laughs> takes yeah. you with them. It, yeah, it's, it, it, it kind <laughs> of like, works and doesn't like work. a nouvelle vague kind of laugh, laugh track. track. Yeah, <laughs> self-reflexive. And so the next topic is... Gay bar. Okay. I want to take you to a gay bar. Well, what is this gay bar? Why would we want to talk about this? I know it's a bit, it's a bit of an odd decision, but it has to do with me. Okay. <laughs> Last week I was in, uh, in London, mm-hmm. so, so yeah, I, I'm going there often mm-hmm. lately. It's a difficult place, as you know, London mm-hmm. to live. Mm-hmm. And I went to this event that was uh, goodbye to London, another G. Mm, and it was like a lament for all the lost uh, gay bar, like gay spaces in London, all the closing uh, gay spaces. Lots, yeah. Uh, like, and they had like a, uh, like a, how you call it, like a wake. Like uh, they were reading all the names and they were mourning the loss, and it was like really moving. I mean, it was a bit emotional, like um, bl- Ma- manipulation, manipulation, like the whole uh, kind of direction of the event. It was a really good event. I really enjoyed it. Um, but then, because we, I was with a group of a group of Greeks, you see, the Greekness mm-hmm. keeps coming back. Mm-hmm. Why did I need Greeks in London? Why did you need Greeks in London? Keeps coming back. Well, you know, it's mm-hmm. like a disease. Well, STD. Germs. <laughs> Go on. Um, so I, they were like really. Um, they they enjoyed the shows, but they were a bit ambivalent about the thematic. They were like, okay, gay bars, they closed, it's bad, gentrification. Oh my God, so many Gs. Yeah. Uh, gentrification is awful, obviously, but what is this, like, celebration of gay bars suddenly as this place of, like, liberation? Like, uh, what about racism of the gay bar, the, the very violent lookism of the gay bar and the misogyny, the, the misogyny of the gay bar, mm-hmm. the the lack of uh, consent culture of the gay bar. Mm-hmm. Like It was like, okay, it's really terrible we have all these closed venues, but I don't know, shouldn't there be a reflexivity about you know, the problems of this gay Like there was this, um, I don't know their, their gender identification, but there was like this... Um, like lesbian appearing person who was like lamenting joiner's arms like a gay bar in london kind of closing down and how she felt like liberated there which i cannot contest obviously uh it's her experience their experience but like i was very often in joiners it was like a gay bar it was like the vast majority was like were like men mm-hmm. and very often unpleasant in many ways uh, in the, the way they hit on you and they wouldn't, you know, for example, accept a no for an answer. Mm. And I was like, I tried to recall, like, I don't know. What what, what was your first time in a gay bar? On, I mean, look. Do you remember? Sure, I do remember. And for me, I don't know. I mean, you are from a slightly different generation. Mm. And for so for you, I don't think that gay bars had anything liberating. Mm. Um, 
for me they did mm. in London they really helped me mm-hmm. it, obviously once you discover the queer scene mm-hmm. so called queer scene then you realize oh those are the places that I thought were liberating mm-hmm. were somehow problematic mm. but they are important and I think maybe what you describe in London is almost like a second wave of a mm. morning because mm. the first morning was the morning of losing all the squats mm. which happened about seven, eight years ago. Mm. So first, the queer scene was kind of completely shattered. Now we're going into a new place where the gay scene is mm. kind of uh, threatened. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, in in what did we read about, about France yesterday? That the... the uh, you know the mm. military service is going to come back so yeah, yeah, it's almost like, like it's almost like oh my god all the things that we had from the 60s are now yeah. in threat we're going back we're going further back than the 1960s so like the gay bar symbolizes like that yeah but at least I mean you know I mean okay there were gay bars in uh, I don't know in Berlin in the mid-war years but you know there's like there is the, okay there is this thing okay there is a conservative kind of uh, going back but there is also this other voice saying okay the gay bars do not exist because gay people are integrated in the society and they don't need the gay bars which is a problematic yeah, position I mean, but nevertheless you cannot say it's um how can they say that like you know what i mean it's on one hand there is a homophobic undertone but also hmm, let me think yeah everyone is on grinder if they want to hook up for example mm. like there are, there are other ways of socializing yeah, and of course obviously gay life will find um, historically finds different ways mm-hmm. to meet you know um i don't know i'm also kind of cautious about my ambivalence because i remember the first time i went to gay but i was scared but like i saw people kissing and there was one part of me that was like it was liberating but also i was kind of my my internalized homophobia maybe made me kind of uh, feel like threatened by the, mm-hmm. the whole thing and also okay and i think the first time you take anybody anybody to a gay bar mm-hmm. it's for them a forming experience i've yeah. done it with a few different people right and it's it's always for them a, a forming experience yeah, like yeah it's yeah. not it's not like ah okay whatever i mean i don't know about this generation of the super mm-hmm. now i don't know what there's like the has been generation seen. z like yeah like. what has been seen on the internet already and the, the, the discourses that have been you know around it's a so very on. different discourse because i i remember did i tell you this we went to, uh, with a friend to this uh event by color youth which is a lgbt youth uh group in athens and they were talking about coming out and they were talking about coming out before having sex and for me and my friend who were like slightly older, it was like really bizarre. Like, why did you come? How like, you can have a gender identity uh, or sexual- sexuality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, how can you have like a sexual sexual identity that is outside sex in a way? Not like, you know what I mean? Like outside this experience of... Mm. It is really, so it is, it is a very different discourse and th- there is a different representation even from my generation which is like not that ancient hopefully um, and when I grew up the TV didn't have like, like uh, look obviously you started this discussion by mentioning an example that has to do with London mm. and now you've moved a little bit into Athens true it's a very so different discussion ex- extremely different discussion I still think that gay bars are important to to Athens. Yes, yes, I still think that very much so. In terms of London, I don't necessarily Mm. think, I agree with you that maybe they're not as important. Mm -mm. However, seeing that the closing down of bars is connected to 
the destruction of lots of different underground yeah. cultures in London and communities. And commu- this is not definitely London is not going a good way. That's it's true. It's that true. Is, that is absolutely obvious to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go as far as to lament a place. Mm-mm-mm. Although, you know, you never know how these things work. I mean, it's true. When, when you when lament places that I, you don't identify I, politically with, I totally, you can lament a totally, chicken shop. And I totally lamented uh, the, the, uh, the, this place in uh, uh, Charing Cross, uh, in Tottenham Court Road, called The Ghetto, when mm. it was closed in they, order to start the... It had a special... Yeah, it was chapter a, in the night. Yeah, it was a really, <coughs> a, a really, you know, it was important for me. Like, really, I, you know, I mm. kind of like have very strong emotional stories connected to this place. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, you know, you can you you, you cannot really go as far Mm-mm. as to say, oh, come on, it's just uh, some capitalist thing. So why don't you lament? Why do you lament it? You're right, and and maybe I mean I, I think maybe the, may, maybe the whole queer thing, at least in London, has come a full circle mm. as to understand that there is no black and white in terms of uh, capitalism and Mm-mm-mm. where okay, if you pay money in a in a bar, it means that it's not good anymore politically, yeah. and you know. But he, like joiners had bouncers and you had to pay entrance fees. No, I mean I mean I I, I find I find it strange that someone would. In, you know, emotionally feel connected to this particular place, but, you know... I liked it. I really liked it. I used to go all every week and stuff. And uh, and I felt strange when it closed down and sad. I don't know. It was like... I think it was this manipul... Like, this emotional, like, now you have to cry kind of thing that made me kind of afterwards like I remember however how it was when when one place <laughs> after the other just after the Olympics mm. this thing in my opinion mm. started yeah it's true in- increasing this one place after the other closing all the political places all the queer places the mm. social centers of uh, you know and then of course the population was getting in in East London for example where I, where I lived in was getting whiter and so on Mm-mm. and you know it was like really well, you could see it, but it was Phil, going on Phil 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 there is another thing. Okay, I don't want to be this like oh, politically minded activisty person, but this is tricky. But isn't Joiners and Georgian Dragon part of the gentrification of Hackney <laughs> and uh, and uh, I don't know Dolson Superstore, for example? I'm, I mean, I I, th- I think I is think that unfair to I- say. I, I wouldn't want to go so much into these specific examples because I don't I don't I don't know to which extent someone can follow the discussion. I know you are in your own, you're in the zone in the last uh, fifteen minutes, but you know, um, for sure. The, no, it's the not. It's, it's it's a global discussion. Look, if if gay bars gentrify because like the cool gay bars gentrify the neighborhood, it's a discussion in Paris, in in LA. Sure. It, 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 some people even try to do it in Athens, but sure. I mean, I that's don't. That's a joke. I, I don't. <laughs> think, I don't think that the question of gentrification is like a black and white question either. Okay. Because I don't. I'm not with these people that are so anti gentrification yeah. that in the end they're like. Okay, let's not mingle at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. It's true. But okay, uh, let's then let let us then have the you know the ghettos and the rich areas and the arty mm-hmm. areas and they're all separate and great. And the students and the gays go to uh, <laughs> to the rich areas because they're white. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. There's no, it's, you know, it's not a black and white question. I it's mean, true. I, it's true. I find it very difficult, especially when they discuss gentrification in Athens. Mm, that's a joke, which okay. I think is, a, is, a, is a completely ridiculous. And I think, as as I've probably mentioned before in this show, I think that gentrification in Athens frequently happens more by the people who talk about gentrification <laughs> than about actual hipster gentrifica- yeah, gentrifying yeah. people. 
True. It's a, it's a, it's a very weird uh, tangling of, uh, of, of identities because, mm. you know, yeah, throughout human history, this is what happens. Cities move and they change and so mm. on. Mm. Of course... I think, you know, for example, you mentioned three bars and I think already the fact that you put them in the same mm. circle, for me, they are three very distinctly different cases. Okay. So I don't think you, we should be doing a kind of like, oh, but this and this and this, they are all gentrifying. No, I think you should take each place differently, differently and mm. see its history and its connection to, you know, local communities and so on. I just, okay, I've... Sorry, I'm in an anti, anti-London a little bit kind of mood. Because I was thinking like places in Berlin, for example, gay bars in Berlin, they've they've put lots of effort into creating kind of connections with local communities and producing... Yeah, but it's a completely different place. Berlin yeah. does not have the need to be, uh, yeah. you know, a, a, a place that um, financially is doing great. <laughs> in fact, it's completely bankrupt and so on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it has a completely different uh, place in within mm. Germany in, to, mm-hmm. in, in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, let's leave the topic of gentrification because we we sort of like went we started from uh, gay bars and we went into gentrification. It's an interesting connection. It's not unheard of. It's not unheard of. Uh, so I'm going to play a song now from a band called Ground Zero. Okay. Completely unknown band, Dancing with Machines. Okay. Dance at the machines. Dance. Dance at the machines. Dance. Dance at the machines. Dance. Dance with the machines. Stick some powder up your nose. Submit like a slave to the beat. You get all wound up, but there's no place to go. Dance. Dance at the machines. 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 Get out on the floor. Show what you have. Hey, I'm not impressed. I'd rather talk to myself than to a pair of flashy feet. And all I want to do is dance. They want to dance to the machines. Dance. They want to dance at the machines. Dance. They want to dance at the machines. Dance. They want to dance at the machines. This music's an inferno. 
but I don't see a fire. I see a floor of slave units. Trendy sequin robots programmed by the beat, programmed to dance. Dance at the machines. 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 Out there on the floor. Dancing with the angels' flight replicas. You don't want to think or listen. There's just one thing you want to do. There's just one thing on your mind. And that's to dance. Dance. Dance, dance, dance. Sometimes it scares me. Dance. Dance at the machines. 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 Can you say that uh, Fita is influenced by this song? <laughs> Without him, I haven't heard it, but yeah, definitely. I haven't heard it before. Like, I'm really curious, what the fuck is this song? Okay, um, <laughs> this is from a, from a com- <laughs> compilation, American compilation from 1980 called No Disco. Right. Which was all about hating disco. Oh, uh, very problematic. I, I, for sure a bit problematic yeah yeah uh, on various topics <laughs> various yes um, intersections of uh, yeah. of problem mm-hmm. yeah um the um, compilation has mostly punk because mm-hmm. it was mostly punks that hated the disco, disco. people <laughs> and in the middle there is this song which yeah. Uh, you know, I, I I looked for it in YouTube yesterday, and, it, and I found it. And it has 126 <laughs> plays, <laughs> although it was uploaded a few years ago. <laughs> so, uh, extremely obscure. Yeah. Don't think anybody has really found yet this song in this com- compilation of punk. Mm-hmm. Um, and we w- we had a talk the other day about mm. what what is this thing that I, in the late 70s. This mm-hmm. song is from 1979. In mm-hmm. the late 70s, there were some people that. Were play were kind of found somehow a synthesizer, right? And maybe in their minds they were doing something similar to what was going on mm. in the prog rock period, or mm. maybe not. Mm. But somehow they decided to use the synth, the synth in a, in a, in a very, to make something very strange and and frequently self reflexive mm. in terms mm. of the this is a machine and you are all machines and we are robots and mm. this mm. is new information period and so on a bit yeah, craft yeah. worky also in yeah, a way. yeah 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 and um introducing the 80s in a way uh-huh and and but also doing it in a slightly dirty diy punky way mm. um but that was before anybody kind of said this is this music is called industrial mm-hmm. or something it didn't really create a scene so mm-hmm. you have 
often, and I, I love to collect those, these are some of my favorite thing, mm-hmm. uh, records <clears throat> to collect, you have this band from like, mm-hmm. you know, the middle of, a, you know, a, a small village outside Atlanta <laughs> doing something like this, or Ohio or whatever, doing something like this. And of course, they must have been kind of local weirdos that mm. it never really <laughs> went anywhere and so on. Um, so I can imagine that being some sort of minimal synth project <laughs> in America in the late 70s must have been very difficult to very convince. Lonely. Very, very lonely. <laughs> in- impossible to convince people that this is really interesting what I'm doing here. <laughs> one day in Belgium. <laughs> yeah, one day in Belgium, exactly. Yeah. And Belgium must have felt, and I think they, they, they say it in various uh, interviews that you see that they wanted to go to Belgium to, you know, it's like the land of the free. <laughs> Belgium, the land of the minimal scene free. You don't know, you know, like Belgium has the the the, the highest uh, light pollution in Europe. I knew that actually. You, you cannot see any stars in the in the evenings. I knew, anyway, I knew that. Anywhere, even if you go to the countryside of Belgium, it's, there's it's so photo photo like uh, like uh, light polluted, you can't see the sky. It's funny that you say that Belgium is the most light polluted thing. Mm. What I had heard before yes. from a teacher of ours is that Belgium is the most well-lit <laughs> country in, in Europe. <laughs> so it's the two sides of the same coin. Yeah, isn't it's, it? it's, it's amazing how 20 years <laughs> kind of like make us realize uh, it's not very good that it's lit <laughs> during the whole night. Everywhere. Everywhere. Every fucking place. Corner. In Belgium. As I'll, if it's like such a nice place, you have to, l- <laughs> to light it up. I like Belgium. I used to, I used to really hate Belgium. Belgium. You, that's a very cliche thing to hate Belgium, I think. I hated Belgium before it was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an, now it's cool, like uh, both Antwerp and uh, and, Bel- and Brussels. Brussels. We, we, in 2000, <laughs> I think, or something like this, 2001, um, we created with uh, my friend John a, mm-hmm. a kind of uh, board game mm-hmm. in which mm-hmm. when you, we, you were, you would... Uh, um, arrive to a particular dot uh, mm-hmm. box. You had to go to Belgium, <laughs> and then you had to like roll the die and uh, the, and and have six in order to get out of Belgium. <laughs> so it was the equivalent of prison. Yeah. However, mm-hmm. having been recently, I think it's actually quite nice. It's a very nice place, actually. Yeah, yeah. It's quite nice. I agree. And they have very good fashion and in Antwerp. I'm not particularly interested in, in this. In the 70s, that would be a joke. Fashion and Belgium in the same sentence. My God. But look at now. Look at now. Um, <laughs> and, and, and you have Do you like my fashion knowledge? Your fashion knowledge is incredible. <laughs> what, what, um, what is important to say mm. is that liking Belgium is also a nice kind of uh, antithesis to strongly disliking the Netherlands. Mm. Because this is where I am personally. Because <laughs> you are you are told very frequently that the uh, Netherlands is so much nicer, nicer, you know, and the people are open, more like open-minded so and bullshit. Yeah, yeah, fucking bullshit. It's absolutely not like this. Anyway, should we move to the next topic? Yes. The next topic is. It's a very unlikely topic. It's goofy. It's what? <laughs> From Disney. Goofy. Goofy. The character Goofy. The character Goofy. But, okay, why did I include this to this list? Why did you include this? Because this this particular story. I I obviously have to tell my story, right? (laughs) Yeah, because otherwise, who cares? (laughs) It's, it's, um, who cares about Goofy? Yeah. (laughs) 
true. Um, I'm gonna have to take you. It's one of my favorite stories of yours. Yes, I'm gonna have to take you a few years back. Back, mm-hmm. back in your childhood. We're going to go <laughs> back in the sixties. Thank you very much. So, I was uh, a sort of arty teenager, as mm, you know. I know. When I was uh, 11 years old. My from the countryside. From not the countryside. Arty from the no, New no, York. Not arty from New York. <laughs> it's funny that you're shouting a lot today, and you usually tell me off that I'm really? shouting. Yes. I'm really close to the microphone today. And, and you will see that there will be a lot of distortions when you speak. Okay. Because you, you speak really near the microphone. Okay. Okay. Um, so, uh, mm. what was it going to say? Um <coughs> So I was quite an arty teenager, mm-hmm. as you know, and you've made fun of me, mm-hmm. despite the fact that I come from a small town. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is really the kind of essence of the small town arty child? What is it? They're kind of lonely in a mm-hmm. way and sort of like no one understands them very much. And, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's, it's this kind of thing. And mm-hmm. of course, they, uh, at least for me, it's the, the case, um, have a absolutely no tolerance to any mainstream kind of uh, entertainment. Right. And it's long before, you know, I, I, I grew up in the 80s, 90s, and mm. so it's long before your, uh, you know, kind of the like internet. postmodern uh, internet era where, you know, yes, you could listen to Metallica and yes, you could listen to Madonna and at, the same at the same time. And obviously no one ever considered, but that's weird because, the, mm-hmm. you know, these are different clans. Mm-hmm. There, there is no such thing anymore, in a sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that's long before that. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as I was saying, uh, when I was 11 years old, my dad took me to see Peter Green away mm-hmm, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like, to an extent, inappropriately. <laughs> because <laughs> the, cook, the, result. the cook, the thief, his wife, and her so is not really for an 11-year-old. Um, <laughs> it's a very important film to you. It's a really important film to me. But you remember that it's a really disturbing film. <laughs> yes. It's amongst the most disturbing, synesthetically disturbing films I've seen yeah. ever. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, with the high uh, boy soprano and the and the gangster and that makes him eat his belly button and you know uh. it's it's got very difficult scenes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. anyway so um when i was 14 years old mm-hmm. i i used to do, go to this uh, french school to learn french mm-hmm. i've learned some i've forgotten most unfortunately but hey it's france after all it's france after all so uh, in the summer we were we went to um but they also speak french in switzerland very good country mm, <laughs> wonderful country geneva geneva another g thing no go no go <laughs> um we um so they decided to take us to the to france to paris mm-hmm. and uh, we would travel to Paris and we would also... I've never go. been to fucking Paris. And that's crazy. <laughs> you should really go. Yeah, I mean, yeah, come, sure. on. come and, on. And um, they would take us also to Euro Disneyland mm-hmm. and to the... Another Ast- G word. And, uh, <laughs> Sorry. To Euro Disneyland and to the Asterix Park. There is like a park... Uh, really? There is an Asterix Park? <coughs> Sorry for my germs. Uh, no, I hate your coughing. I'm look. I'm I'm telling a very long story, mm. and I'm coughing a little bit. It's not such a big deal. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, and yeah, there, there there was this there is this Asterix Just Park. Dislike and coughing people so much. I know you have a problem. Yeah. And you've been doing it for so long now. It's not my fault it's that I still have like, germs. It's almost like a, some kind of what lifestyle choice. Thanks. <laughs> Go on. And uh, so they took us. They took us to. Um, 
to these places. And of course, me being this kind of annoying, arty teenager, I hated everything. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Gilbert Disney. I, I was like... Did you like uh, the, I, you know, I mean, the roller coasters? The roller I didn't really go to many of the roller coasters. I don't really like roller mm-hmm. coasters. But generally, it, was, it must have been like very cinematically funny and awkward. <laughs> how unimpressed I was like, yeah, okay, and everybody's dressed like Asterix and whatever. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Such a douchebag. <laughs> totally. <laughs> it's like, okay. Yeah. And all the other children were having fun. Yeah. And I was like, whatever. And, you know, we saw, for example, the f- for, a f- for a first time, uh, like a 3D VR movie. Oh, and my goodness. Yeah. Like, actually, you know, it was Disneyland. I mean, okay, it's not the original Disneyland. But, you know, for 90s entertainment. Oh, my God. It was my, my, American friend, my American friend, Jordan, he, he doesn't even acknowledge Euro Disney as a yeah, Disneyland. Euro Disney, yeah. He obviously. thinks it's like. Um, whatever. Like, like yeah. For like it's nothing. No, I can I can see that. <laughs> and and to be honest, when we went, it wasn't like they were. It wasn't like up for very many years, so it mm. didn't have loads of things. Mm-hmm. But still, obviously, if you are <laughs> yeah. from a small ta- a kid from a small town of you know, the In north Greece. of Greece, you should really be somehow impressed with the things. Right. So. Yeah, so it was. <laughs> there is this continuous thing with me being unimpressed by everything. It's like, okay, 3D film, whatever. And it's like everyone is dressed as Asterix, whatever, you know. And so, so <laughs> it's a lovely child. Yes. And so one thing happened that kind of, kind of finally, the pinnacle, the pinnacle of my anger and despair in this place was that at some point later during the day. We, we, we were there for one day. Mm-hmm. I sort of thought, okay, I'm going to mellow a little bit. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'm going to, like, make fun of it. So, mm-hmm. But, like, mellow make fun of it. Mm-hmm. So, like, take <clears throat> photos with, like, uh, funny people and mm-hmm. so on. And I'm coming to... <laughs> the you know, goofy. The, the, I... <coughs> Excuse me. No problem. I, um, I actually like coughing. It's really entertaining. Ah, thank you. And so... <clears throat> I we we I go I see Goofy from a distance <laughs> you know and you would see characters and so yeah, on yeah. and the characters I mean to be honest with you I don't think I, I've seen I saw many so it wasn't mm. like they didn't I think in the Asterix Park there were like multiples mm. but I think in Euro in Disney, Disney at the time I don't know if they had one because obviously that was a, a vast place yeah, yeah, but, yeah, but it wasn't like you would see them often around yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so I'm like oh I'm gonna go and take a photo with Goofy. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that he was, like, just coming out of a place where children would go and take a photo with right. him. Mm-hmm. And so I went there, and I kind of tried to have a photo taken, and he pushed me. <laughs> I was pushed by, by Goofy. Goofy. <laughs> and, of course, I started shouting, you're an asshole, and oh, fuck you, fucking asshole, and I hate you. And you have an argument with Goofy? Which is what one of my brother's favorite stories, that my, where he says, my brother is the one person who has managed to argue with Goofy. <laughs> it's a really good story. And, and I... It's, it's somewhere as your personality... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you, I'm sure you can, it's like, close your eyes. person who can eyes. have a fight with Goofy. <laughs> it's like, it's a particular character. Like, uh, the, the name of my autobiography, you mean. <laughs> Let's move into a song, right? Yes, please. <laughs> 
So, so you like the music today, don't you? I really like the music today. Um, that was Glorious Strangers, which is one mm. of the lesser known and more melodical, melodical than others, mm. no wave bands from New York. Ah, it's new, no yeah, wave. It's, it's not like the usual very pleasant no for a no wave. Yeah, mm. there was this kind of sub part of no wave that it was more poppy, poppy, but with uh, this kind of. Uh, you can hear mm-hmm. that inside there is this Philip Glass minimalism influence. Ah, okay. Yeah, because he sense. he was also in a band there co- called mm. Poly Rock, mm. so he influenced a little bit this this the thing. So, so even that that song like sounded very pop, subtly, yeah. but you can see that it's not. It's there is a this. Okay. Has this kind of repetition okay. elements mm-hmm. and so on, and uh, very frequently keyboards in the band mm-hmm. and stuff. Anyway, that was that band. I really liked. Yep. Are we ready for the next keyword? Next keyword is the gut microbiome. The gut micro what? Microbiome. What is that? Okay, recently I got this really fantastic Christmas gift mm-hmm. by my special other. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, it was like a kit where you like take a small piece of your poop. Mm-hmm. You put it in this like. A box like in this tube and then in a box and you send it through the, <laughs> the mail to this like um, laboratory yeah and they analyze the the, the germs that live in your gut and permanently they, yeah there's germs that live in your gut permanently yeah every person has a different different germs that's the flora the, the, the flora the, the gut flora as okay we say. all right in Greece, because we, they give you all the time antibiotics, the flora is a bit... Uh, Dead. <laughs> there is no gut there. <laughs> there is a little bit. And is, can someone say that this is the reason why people here have no guts? <laughs> I thought that you would put the bad laugh track. <laughs> Do you know Julia Anders, another G? Who? Julia Anders. She's German. No. Another G. Is it spelled with a G? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she wrote this book uh, called <laughs> Dharmi Charm, like cats with charming cats, let's say. Uh-huh. Um, and this is a book about how uh, everything in our life is kind of dictated or kind of influenced, let's say, by our gut microbiome, by the germs that live in the gut. And she has all these theories. Is she German? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Germany being another G word, of course. <laughs> yes, and they're quite obsessed with shit. Mm-hmm. It's really cliche at the end of the day. It became a mega, a mega, like, bestseller, translated in many languages, Greek, English mm-hmm. in- included. So she has some, I, I read the book and I was really excited about it. And she has some really interesting ideas. For example, she, she opens the book with this really bizarre, like almost metaphysical thing that she was in a party and she, she was talking to a guy and his breath was really, really rotten. Mm-hmm. And then he killed himself. And in the she, same party? <laughs> no, later that night. And she's like, oh, you know, the depression is like affected by the gut flora the gut germs send signals to the brain through certain chemicals and she's a scientist she's not like she's like a mambo jumbo no no she's like proper like proper recognized science scientist probably that phrase might be racist or something right what mambo Mambo jumbo Jumbo. yeah it sounds like a bit racist Mm -hmm. but anyway anyway yeah most of our audience is racist anyway (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay, thanks. Um, so, so she, she, Julie Anders, uh, 
another thing she, she says is like she de- dealt with psychological problems throughout her life. Mm-hmm. And she, it's really funny how she goes for full-on biological explanations. She's a scientist after all. Yes. And she's like, oh, my mother... Philosophy of science or science? No, no, science, probably a biologist. So she's like, oh, my mother didn't uh, breastfeed me and she gave she didn't give natural birth. And this is two ways that the baby gets a, microbi- a good bi- microbiome through the milk from the boobs, booby okay. and through the birth because you pass through the vagina and you touch a little bit of the shit. Okay. So you get like the microbiome microbiome of your mommy. Mm-hmm. So she's like basically in the introduction of your book blaming your mother for your depression. Okay. <laughs> so, nice. so for a biologist that's really psychoanalytic if you ask me. But should we, I mean, should we move into more like a um, Another discussion of our connection to our guts, mm, in a way. Yeah, it's very different, I, I, I would say. Do you, I mean, do you, uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we're quite different. We talk, yeah. We, we talk about our bowel movements frequently. A lot. Um, like, I seem to have a very active gut. Very active, And one you would seem say. Have to, to have quite a difficult gut. A passive gut. gut. Yeah. <laughs> um, Unresponsive. <laughs> That's why I'm so obsessed about gut, because my gut was so bad. I was trying to read like about you know microbiotics and all these things and you, you firmly can... believe that uh, creativity and guts are, are strong strongly connected. related so the other thing is through the years I've uh, studied psychoanalysis have I spoken about psychoanalysis in this show before <laughs> you've spoken a lot about psychoanalysis <laughs> but when we when we come to the P episode I'm, I'm sure it's gonna have to be you on psychoanalysis for the whole episode <laughs> So, psychoanalysis is all about shit. Freud was like, oh, people's relation to their shitting patterns is really psychological in many ways. Mm-hmm. And he went as far as saying that, you know, there is anal personalities, people who, like, are in a specific way, and this is related to how their parents, you know, treated them mm-hmm. during the potty training. And, you know, and for the time, and f- since tonight, since today, uh, like, these theories are a bit, you know, like, dodgy, and people are like, what? Shitting is related to personalities? Like, what the fuck? Is are there this? still people who don't believe that? Oh, yeah, of course. People believe psychoanalysis is bullshit. But, I mean, psycho- uh, <coughs> the fact that uh, shitting has, uh, like, mm. is connected to how you feel and mm. so on is not really necessarily <laughs> psychoanalytic. No, it's true. It's like the, you know, the main way in which, in which we process food. Yeah. And, and we Our get emotions. rid of uh, <laughs> stuff. So, you mm. know, like, for example, if you... Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. I just, I'm just saying. I mean, even the bells, people can hear the, the bells <laughs> the, the when Christian, we talk about the gut. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the Christian guts. But, uh, yeah, Julie Anders, for example, <laughs> she really resists a more nuanced psychological analysis of, like, you know, her relationship with her mother, for example. She thinks it's all about the germs and the messages they send to the brain. But it's it's... Yeah, tell us about your creativity. <laughs> so since you, you you shit a lot, yes, you're also more. <laughs> I, I get I get very frequently if I get ideas that are like, uh, <laughs> let's say, important milestones mm-hmm. in something I do. Mm-hmm. So for example, like a solution or, or so on. Mm. I very frequently, like maybe eighty to ninety percent, get it on the shitting process, <laughs> on the gut emptying <laughs> process. Um, I've seen it now far too many times. <laughs> um, not not necessarily like it's, a diff- it's an interesting point. Though, yeah. It's it's not necessarily 
things that are good for me, mm-hmm. but they are important milestones towards the next sta- mm. stage of something. Okay. I've uh, seen it. I've experienced this. And because you, you, you call me consequence junkie sometimes because I like consequences, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. these consequences sometimes are self-destructive, death drive as yeah, we yeah. spoke and so mm-hmm. on. But for sure, I have this connection with the gut in terms of helping me move on. I'm more constipated on the other hand. Yes, you are uh, different in that. What does the what? How, how do you deal with your um, gut? My gut. Um, I'm. Uh, I have this ambivalence about shitting and the gut and uh, all the problems that it has caused me over the years. Uh, but uh, yeah, I grew to love this relationship and this intimacy that I have with my gut. Uh, you know, Luisa the Loxa, this collaborator of ours, um, she invented the term um, <coughs> like... Uh, bowel art. Bowel art, and she does like a, a lot of poetry about her guts. Mm-hmm. And that was one. She has like a more severe IBS. And, and should we say, shout, uh, shout to our all, I, all of our IBS friends? friends? Hello to all of you. Yeah, is it... Uh, an should I put uh, <laughs> some... Celebratory. Yes. IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, for those who Hello don't know. to all the irritable bowel syndrome friends. You know, like uh, Kurt Cobain had I- I- IBS. Did he? Yeah. How I- did you know that? There is this. There was this group, like uh, like strong personalities with IBS. Ah, okay. Hitler also had IBS. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> so, um. <laughs> It's true, though. <laughs> Do you want uh, to tell us anything else about your gut flora before we move into the next song? Um, do I? No, I would just like anecdotes about from Ender's books that come to my mind. But if someone is so interested, they can actually download the book and read it. <laughs> Which book is that? Uh, it's it's in English. It's called Gut, the inside story of our body's most underrated organ. And in, Eng- in German, if you want to go native, uh, is Darm mit Charme. Okay. Uh, Horrible. Difficult pun. Pun. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> yes, so... Let's, let's listen to a song. Yes. Andy Giorbino. Mm.
I love these endings. <laughs> that was Andy Gerbino, who was a uh, Neue Deutsche Welle, one of the weird mm. Neue Deutsche Welle artists. Mm. You know, they do this kind of... He's not Italian music that with I like that it. name. No, he's not Italian with that name. Um, but what I'm not sure is if it's a uh, nickname. Mm. I'm totally sure about mm. this. Uh, you know, I love this German... <laughs> being blinkety plonkety things from the early 80s. Mm, I know you love them. Um, so, should we take another keyword? Yes. Whoops. <laughs> the next keyword is geeks. 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 Not Greeks. Geeks. Oh, okay. What about Greek geeks? Mm, are like let's say for example for, are for we starting, geeks yeah like one of the starting points for our project called, we're called Fita mm-hmm. which in Greek it means plants of course but metaphorically it means geeks geeks like the, right. the, the ones who study a lot mm-hmm. who are not cool mm-hmm. and this uh, amphisemi how you call it in English yeah <laughs> yeah this ambiguity of the term was mm-hmm. really central in, in in picking this name mm-hmm. mm. So Does in a sense, we, we identify with some sort of geekiness, geekiness. Do we have geek pride? Hey, no. No. No, because things has, have changed over the years. Okay. Uh, <coughs> over which years have things changed? Ah, tricky question. Mm-hmm. Do you think that geeks are what? No, in my perception. In my perception, I used to think of geeks as these, like, uh, underdogs. You know, the American cinema narrative. Mm-hmm. The, the freaks and gigs, like the, the gigs uh, who play Dungeons and Dragons, mm-hmm. and they are like, you know, bullied, mm-hmm. and uh, people treat them very badly, and one day they will get the, the, the good girl and they will be happy, let's say. I don't or, or not. Or not. Or mm-hmm. they will be Just bullied forever. Yeah, eternally suffering. But. <laughs> but. Mm-hmm. Over the years, okay, I started realizing things mm-hmm. growing. Like, okay, for me, for example, uh, growing up with the internet, the internet was um, the endemic uh, environment for the so-called geek culture. Mm-hmm. And all of the geeks, they were, like, nice to each other and supporting each other against the mainstream society that's full of, like, jokes and, you know, these macho people who are, like, successful with women mm-hmm. who are terrible. You know, what sort of uh, era do you describe now? Um, I mean, because it's biographical, I guess the end of nineties era. End of nineties. Yeah, beginning of zero. You, you were like ten years old. And then, then, then when I started going to the internet. Okay. Beginning of the zeros. Okay. Early zeros. Uh, fast forward to the future. Mm-hmm. Where I'm encountered, uh, like I find feminism, queer politics, all these new things, identity politics, and then I'm starting, you know, realizing that geek culture is a uh, is not that. It has different things, different aspects, and there is an undertone of um, masculine solidarity, mm-hmm. for example, and uh, that is unspoken. Let's say, yeah, because geeks are generally not really very forgiving towards women that that design computer games and so on, right? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there are all these like okay, 
uh, geeks are complaining, for example, uh, that women don't like them, but at the same time they're super misogynistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are excluding women from many of their activities. Mm-hmm. It's like a, a boys' club, basically. Mm-hmm. Fast forward <laughs> to the present. To the, let's say the, the tense, mm-hmm. not necessarily the present per se, because things start then to then women enter the internet. Okay. Like, of course, they were always on the internet, but they entered the internet as women, mm-hmm. uh, and they claim some of the geek spaces, maybe. Instead of welcoming this uh, progress, because geeks, in my brain at least, and in their narrative, they were progressive. They were not conservative. Okay. Uh, no. But we're not exactly well-read, right? No. Just like a superficial, ah, we are actually sm- the smart people. We are open to... Underdogs. Underdogs. Mm-hmm. We are underdogs and we support the gays. We support the... Whatever blacks. else, yeah. Mm. But when these people uh, like these minorities enter the discourse as minorities enter the internet as minorities there is a backlash like oh women are taking our things and political correctness everywhere we cannot speak like we used to and there is so much policing and we they blame us for for being uh, privileged but we are the underdogs how can they blame us for privileges um and so on and so forth and all these narratives like oh political correctness and we cannot go to the university because the minority students get there uh, for like um, you know all this bullshit and fast forward to the present 4chan is a geek space that creates the 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 the, 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 the yeast mm. for uh, something like Donald Trump to be able to be a president, a president. What happened there? Did you see that coming? <laughs> I didn't see that coming. In, of course, in retrospective, you can see it coming, mm-hmm. but at the time, you could definitely not see it coming. Mm-hmm. Even though, like, they were always, like, the geek culture was always invent- invested in being edgy. You and know. edginess, as we know, is one step away <laughs> from problematic stuff. Yeah. Um, and the... Also, there was this strong contrast to the traditional conservatism, Mm -hmm. which was overcome by the invention and prevalence of the alt-right, let's say, the new conservatism uh, that is not bound to this kind of particular tradition, let's say. It's cooler, Mm -hmm. it's more nuanced, Mm -hmm. it's more ironic, Mm -hmm. it's full, like, embracing its contradictions, etc., and so the geeks found themselves in the side of the really evil people. Hey, we cannot generalize because at the same time we have a new generation of like gay geeks and like women geeks who are not necessarily identifying with geek as a term, mm-hmm. but they embrace like video Similar games stuff, yeah. and anime and uh, you know Japanese kind of pop culture and um, all these things that make a geek a geek. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Dungeons and Dragons did some politically correct, you know, like they included women characters and stuff that was very transgressive or something. I mm-hmm. don't even remember. I'm not. I'm not uh, a, a geek of that sort. <laughs> so yeah, sorry for coughing. You're yes. coughing mm. now. Mm. Who's coughing mm. now? Shut up. <laughs> Are we coughing now? So what is your opinion about geeks? You didn't say anything. <clears throat> My opinion about geeks. <clears throat> I don't know. I never. I never really. You see, I. In order to be able to really respond to this, I'm mm. gonna have to go back a- again 
to my teenage years. <laughs> um, I never really understood the term of a the geek. Goofy bashing years. The goofy bashing years. I, I didn't. I didn't understand the term of a geek because I think many people at school thought that I was a geek because I was, for example, uh, really into music and knew a mm. lot of a lot of. Uh, you know trivia and so mm-hmm, on and that somehow made me a kind of a geek mm-hmm. but i at the same time as feeling very alienated i was so strongly of the opinion that it was me that was doing the right thing and the others all of them were wrong <laughs> i don't know if you know this kind of thing when i when i when i finally saw daria i remember thinking wow what a relief mm-hmm. because you know the the idea that the hero is the person who is alone and everybody else is wrong right. which is a very difficult thought when you're a teenager it's mm. like okay there is 35 of them mm. and I'm one can I be right really even mm, yeah. th- even if you have the most That's crazy like ideas about yourself every teenager ever I think <laughs> uh, I don't know I'm not too sure about that okay. I think I think every teenager is hysterical about it and it's like you don't understand me and mm-hmm. so on but that ultimately You are doing the right thing? I don't think so. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I never it's actually... It's a step further. I think it's a step further for special people like myself <laughs> in terms of self-confidence. Right. Um, and I would say that I never... They, they sort of classified me as that, mm. but I never really understood it. Mm, mm. So for me, the... the you never dis- felt like the underdog then? <coughs> Not really. Mm. Um, and I... Um, and for me, that's the interesting thing that um, I, I, it's a similar thing to the whole hipster thing mm. as well. Like I don't, I, I don't, I can't quite see a society of geeks and non-geeks and hipsters and non-hipsters mm. because I'm not sure exactly what is at the other end of the spectrum. Mm-mm-mm. So if a, if a geek is someone that is interested in things... Mm. O- almost obsessively, mm, mm. then I don't see that necessarily as a bad thing. But obviously the development of the millennial geek that you describe, which went from anime to Donald Trump, mm. is a very particular type of geekness, mm. which is very destructive. Mm-hmm. So I just don't really understand the t- concept altogether. In the same way, that I don't understand hipsters mm. as a concept. Mm-mm-mm. And in a way that... I'm afraid of the non-geeky world and of the non-hipster world as a, a very bland world. Mm. So I guess my position is a little bit more not culturally specific as mm. you as you said, but mm. more kind of if a con- like a conceptual, a conceptual, like. yeah, mm-hmm. like difficulty I have with geekness and with hipsterness and what that means mm. and what does it mean to not be that? Mm-mm-mm. What is the other side of that? Should we move into a song? Yes. So the next song is by Gina X. Let's dance a little bit.
So that was Gina X with really Striptease. Like um, I've played a lot of German stuff today, actually. You always play a lot of German I always play a lot of German <laughs> stuff. But let's pretend it's because the show is on G. No, I, I always play uh, <laughs> a fair amount of German yeah. stuff. Um, and I have more German stuff to play. Um, Gina X is a um, German disco star oh my from Cologne. I mean, in Cologne, there was a lot of... <laughs> Uh, you know, interesting electronic <laughs> music and yeah, so on. Yeah, yeah. Experimental, yeah. Yeah, mostly. And um, she did a kind of her version of disco, which is nice because it's kind of cold and yeah, uh, a bit awkward. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that song was, you know, it makes you want to dance a little bit, don't you think? In a way. In yeah. a way. To dance strangely. To dance strangely. Um, next, uh, are we ready to take the next We're one? ready. Next word is... Gemini. Gemini is in like the star sign. The star sign. Okay, and not as in the turntable brand. No. Okay. No. Um, I'm not interested in that. You're not interested in that. <laughs> Gemini is then. Mm. Uh, should we tell our audience that we're both under the star sign of Gemini? Should we or shouldn't? Should, they should know by the time. Yeah, maybe they do. <laughs> um, so we are two Geminis here in Why? the studio. Why what? Why two Geminis? Why two Geminis? Mm. Um, there are like four people. That's a very cliche kind of way mm. of seeing things, isn't it? The, is whole, it? the whole idea that the Gemini has like two faces and so on. That's very cliche. Is it? Yes. I don't think that it's like that. Isn't that, isn't all of the astrology discourse cliche? <laughs> yes, but I think I think I, I, there are since more we're talking ways. about Gemini's mm-hmm, today, mm-hmm. I would like to disperse some myths. Okay, do it. Okay, so one very the important... proud Gemini. Yeah, no, I, I I didn't speak about pride. Okay, I'm just dispersing some myths. Mm-hmm. For example, one myth is that the Gemini has two faces, mm-hmm. and that's wrong. A Gemini has <laughs> very many faces mm, mm, mm. and they are not too sure which face they will wake up with every day. It's a surprise. Yes, and that's the good thing about that is that mm. you frequently don't get bored. <laughs> the bad thing about that is that there's no manual on how to, <laughs> you know, kind of like use them in any way. <laughs> so, uh, but, I, but I think it's important to say that this two-face thing is mm. kind of different because... 
a two-faced thing um, seems to be uh, implying that mm. they're hiding the truth or they're kind of like, you know, they're strategic mm. and so on. Mm-hmm. Whereas it's not really that. It's mm. more like it's more like um, there isn't any truth. Which, you know, like famous Geminis. Famous speaking, Geminis. Speaking of no truth. Um, <laughs> I don't know. You want to tell me? I I know I that like Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn the same Monroe day is the you. same day as me. Yeah. <laughs> J.F. Kennedy was also a Gemini. Yeah. Uh, Angelina Jolie. Kanye. Kanye West. Yeah. C- clear Gemini. That's a very clear. Uh, it's an one. obvious Gemini. Uh, and of course, um, you know who? <laughs> Donald Trump. Donald Trump I just is want to, 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 to confirm before I say it. Um, with Donald Trump, we have the exact, it's really shameful, we have the exact same chart, astrological <laughs> chart. So he, both of us are Geminis, and both of us, we have our rising star at Leo, and terrible. our moon at Leo. Leo is just terrible, whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, the thing about Geminis is that you, you know, You have to go a little bit with a flow. Mm. You know what that means? I know. And for some people, this is a bit difficult. I'm dating a Libra. And, uh, oh, well, that's not such a difficult combination. Oh, my God, we are doing such a morning show. We even have an astrology segment <laughs> next up, like cooking with Fita. Yeah, I mean, why not, you know? Uh, yeah. We, yeah, yeah. We did... Uh, We're people w- of our time. Uh, and we did warn our audience that today is going to be like a good, uh, good feeling show. show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah so um, <laughs> I don't know what... Um, I mean, it's, it's funny that I... As a Gemini, you grow up... <clears throat> with very contradictory sort of like situations. Mm-hmm. Many people dislike you mm-hmm. because you're a Gemini, mm-hmm. like they say it from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And many people think, oh my God, you must be like extremely funny then and <laughs> bubbly and, um, you know. Social. Social and so sociopath. on. Sociopath. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do you have to say about Geminis? Um, mm, Difficult. Have you ever dated the Gemini? Never. Okay, that's very difficult. I've done. Uh, oh my god! Like people this have done really it, difficult. and I'm like always like, what? No, this is very difficult. Okay, it's really ch- Ultimate, challenging. Ultimately, this is like you. I mean, I can barely it. stand myself. Yeah, <laughs> like it would be a bit too much. Yeah, to have another one. But uh, I mean, if you want to see it scientifically, why do you think that Gemini are like that? There is some. There are the some stories about theory. Yeah, the summer theory that uh, that they are born uh, in a very interesting kind of time, a sp- mm. sort of a springy, summery time, mm. which, however, wouldn't really explain why cancers are such miserable assholes. <laughs> it's the middle of the summer. It's really hot at the time, especially in places like Greece. It's like sweaty and miserable. Is that why they turn out like this? <laughs> Crying babies. Yeah. Because it's quite a difference from the Geminis. It's like, because then after that, there is Leo. And Leo and Cancer is kind of the same thing, really. What? Leo is just more aggressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're shattered, both of them. So, um, and uh, yeah, so Geminis are, are kind of different. like the, 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 funny, the funny interlude before the devastation of <laughs> the rest of the summer ending of course with Virgos where things are severe as, as we know um, 
don't say that about Virgos because they will be the ones who will get upset. Uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, but it's interesting we do astrology today. Why? Because what is missing from our show? What is missing from our show? Mm. Philosopher of the uh, week. Ah, yes, and not only philosopher of the week, <coughs> also poetry time. Oh, so no philosopher of the week and no poetry what time. What happened today? to these segments? What happened to the segments of philosopher of the week and poetry mm, of the week? What time? happened to them? I don't know, you tell me. You know what happened? What anthropology, happened? Malaga, happened. Anthropology happened. I had this anthropologist yeah. who is interested in the work of uh, uh, several uh, Greek artists, including Fitam. Mm-hmm. And what did you tell me? What did you tell me? Oh, your friend's fanon last week was very interesting. You, It was like very idiosyncratic. You didn't really do a, a proper philosophy. Like, Oh, uh, so the anthropologist was not impressed with your presentation of Franz Fanon. Borderline calling me racist. Borderline calling you racist. So I'm like, okay, fuck off. I'm not going to study three days for this. It's not exams. So we were planning on doing Emma Goldman. Emma Goldman was gan- was our but choice. I'm today. like, if people are fussy, fussy about uh, about my, the quality and the depth of my philosophical knowledge, you're not gonna give them any this uh, week. Fuck off. I mean, look, go listen to another podcast if you want philosophy. Generally, the philosopher of the week is kind of one of the more painful parts of the show. <laughs> I really like it. Yeah, you like it because you're you're speaking, you know, and, and you <laughs> it's like a rare speaking. opportunity for me. Yes, with, like working with a Gemini, I have to fight so. F- so fucking Much hard for for, for like space to, being, yeah. to be heard. Yeah. Uh, so no, Emma Goldman. And, and what would be your poet of the week? Kenneth Goldsmith. Ah, okay. So he does conceptual poetry. So a lot of found text. So even even though I really like his work and I really like that would him, be difficult to present. It wouldn't make much sense outside of the context of the book. But before we move into a song, would mm. you like to? Um, <clears throat> Would you like to tell us a little bit more about Gemini's? I I have lots of Gemini friends, obviously, mm-hmm. and I'm really attracted to them. Mm-hmm. But they are really, really insufferable. Insufferable. Mm. You think we are insufferable? Yes. That's, I think, an, in, an interesting point to close on the Gemini topic. That mm. I think people think that. Um, that Gemini's are sort of happy-go-lucky mm. people. Yeah, big misconception. But they, they, they kind of like don't see the whole point of the, the sort of <laughs> sad clown factor. Yeah, I like this. Like it's a little bit buzzfeedy. Oh, Gemini's discuss Gemini stereotypes. Yes. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna move to a song now because okay. I don't think there's much more we have to say about the. Is he a Gemini? It's a, it's not a Gemini, <laughs> but he's called Max Gold, and I'll tell you a little bit about what the song says afterwards. Cool. Wissen Sie, diese modernen Pulver sagen mir sehr zu, denn sie sind ja blitzschnell löslich. Blitzschnell, blitzschnell, Kakao, Sprengstoff. Früher hat es ja immer ewig gedauert. Man musste ja immer zu rühren und rühren. Aber heute... Blitzschnell, blitzschnell, Kakao, 
wir, die wir die Pulver von früher noch kennen, wissen das natürlich heute besser zu schätzen als die jungen Leute, die nichts anderes kennen. Blitzschnell, Blitzschnell, Kakao, Sprengstoff. Man müsste der Jugend die Werte der blitzschnellen Löslichkeit wieder anschaulicher vor Augen führen. So that was Max Gold. More coughing from ABC of Italy. Yes, uh, germs are throughout the whole show. Very good. Uh, Max Gold is uh, an important influence um, for me and for Fita. In fact, <laughs> I like how these people are influenced for Fita the first time I've heard of know. them. Yeah. <laughs> yesterday. No, because Max Gold uh, was, you know, because we released that I like album. The unconscious. The uh, unconscious influence. Influences. We released an album called. Um, Uh, Listen, and mm -hmm. it's about the German-Greek uh, friendship mm -hmm. and uh, collaboration with uh, Alexander Zorosos and, and Mike Ratigan. And Mike Ratigan, who is like uh, spoken, who does spoken word and singing in the album, he, I, I, that's that's the song I played to mm -hmm. him when I said how, how I'd like that thing to be. Mm -hmm. And um, the song is called Modern Powders, the Moderne Pulver, and uh, and it's it's about. Um, it says, you know, I like these modern powders very much because mm. they dissolve, liquid split, liquid split, cocoa explosive. It used to take forever. You had to always stare and stare. But today, cocoa explosive. Those of us familiar with the powders from the past naturally appreciate them more than the youth who knows nothing else. <laughs> lick, lick, cocoa explosive. The youth needs to be made aware of the value of the liquid split dissolving powders. Lick, lick, cocoa explosive. Beautiful. So he, ah, here is the poetry time. He, 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 he <laughs> writes this very beautiful, simple, kind of distanced kitchen sink dramas. Mm. So everything is like very kind of like simple. Mm -hmm. um, and there is some kind of angst. Mm -hmm. But in a distant kind of way, it's, mm -hmm. it's very—he's—he's—he's ve he's, he's really, really wonderful. Actually, I really like his spoken word style as well. And and it's it's a shame that um, most German spoken words slash comedy slash mm -hmm. dada things are frequently without subtitles, so mm -hmm. that people cannot see it. I the, the, say side of, the side of German humor that I know of is has a lot of interesting mm -hmm. stuff. It's it's definitely nothing like what they say Germans have no sense of humor yeah, yeah, and so yeah. on, you know. Um, that Italians, for example, say that when they are the most unfunny people in the world. Like they ever. know that, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, very good what did you want to say? I want to say that if people want to check the music we play and the topics we discuss, we always include them in the descriptions when we upload the Yeah, in the, the, in the podcast, yes. As a podcast. Um, uh, what else? Oh, yeah, let's, let's have a word. The next word is... Guava. What the fuck? <laughs> Why on earth would we want to guava. discuss guava? First of all, do you know what guava is? is guava like, is a fruit. Yeah, it looks like a pear. Mm -hmm. But mm. it's a tropical fruit, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Where I does it come from? I don't 
no idea, but I used to drink it all the time in Egypt, where they have loads of guava trees, and they make guava juice. Guava juice. This is really thick. It, it like, uh, looks uh, like sperm. According to uh, Wikipedia, mm-hmm. guavas are common tropical fruits cultivated and enjoyed in many tropical and subtropical mm. regions. It doesn't look like a pear after all. I thought it looked more like a pear. Mm, well, maybe it looks like uh, outside looks a bit like a mm, bear, mm, mm, mm. Um, but it's red inside or pink. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, what about guavas? Why did we include guavas? I I get a feeling there is a personal story there. Uh, there is a personal story actually. It's not as good as the goofy story I have to say. Um, but yeah. I think it's a pretty good story so, if it's the one I'm thinking about. So yeah. Um, so I used to, first of all, I used to stay in Egypt for six months for like some weird uh, exchange program. So I used to drink guava juice a lot there. So when I first came back to Athens, I was in the supermarket and I found this guava juice. And I was really excited and I bought it. Because I have to explain why on earth would I have guava juice ev- anyway. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so at the time, I have just moved to this new house. For the first time with flatmates in mm-hmm. my life, uh, two of them, uh, um, a lesbian couple, mm-hmm. uh, very good friends also of mine. Also starting with a G. Yes, <laughs> everything starting with a G today. Uh, what a coincidence. Um, <laughs> so I, s- I just moved in with them mm-hmm. and I was a bit intimidated because they were like much older they and were, they lived there already they have settled like there mm-hmm. they had a normal life works and i was like a student mm-hmm. a little bit you know all over the awkward. place awkward you know but they were really nice to me but i didn't want to you know be terrible flatmate i was mm-hmm. very careful mm-hmm. not not to make my presence you know heard in the house or something well at least in my brain so first day the first weekend i move in I have my big glass of guava juice. Yes. <laughs> and because I'm like... And I walk down the corridor to go from the kitchen to the living room. And because I'm like clumsy as hell, <laughs> the glass falls. And the guava juice goes all over the lower... <laughs> the lower... Um, uh, what, shelf? Shelf of the bookcase uh-huh. that held... That, uh, that held and the, the, the whole of um, the Proust's uh, book, uh, uh, what's the English name? Um, the Proust book. Uh, in Search for Lost Time. The in Search for Lost Time. <laughs> so my flatmate... All over guava. Oh, had like the whole of it, which is a huge Like piece. this person has <laughs> written basically one work in their whole life to, and it's, for you to, be, no, to cover it with guava Full juice. of guava juice. So I'm like frozen i'm like oh my god i just moved in and i made this this important (laughs) bookshelf (laughs) guava flavored and i'm like i have to clean it up and they will never find out because who fucking reads proust anyway everyone has them many people maybe maybe most people have haven't read read it right 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 and i'm like they deliberately deliberately put it in the last shelf because because they don't care they don't use it often yes (laughs) so i'm like so i make sure i clean up all the books and i clean up the floor and i i make sure that there are no like signs visible signs of the guafa like accident but knowing you and your skill in 
cleaning and in seeing whether something <laughs> is tidy or not. Yeah. That was not done very meticulously, I imagine. Well, as, as good as I could. I was also, like, young, so, yeah. Now, if I want to clean the guava now, it, you wouldn't find anything. Okay, right. So, so I leave it there. So as days pass, my flatmate, every time she passes from that spot, she would stop and look at Proust. And she would be, like, really... She would be thinking every time. She would stop and, like, see... Like, like as if she was, like, looking for something... <laughs> like after a week that she would do it every single time I would see her I was like okay I did it she was like you did what what <laughs> and I was like I spilled the guava juice on Proust <laughs> and I thought like for some reason I thought I, in my brain she would like you know she would shout at me like how could you do that to Proust of course she would just like burst into laughing she was like my god for so many days I was like noticing there was something stickiness on the floor (laughs) I I was trying to figure out what was like what happened on the floor (laughs) she hasn't really noticed the Proust oh no (laughs) so you gave it away and yeah, and that's the Guafa and Proust, Marcel Proust story. <laughs> Thank you very much. You're Let's welcome. move into a next song from the a band, Canadian band, The Government. Image, organize, process, Xerox, determination, black, white. Much more complicated color generation. Regeneration. Image peak dot image process. Coffee break.
So, uh, last keyword for the day. This today's show oh, like went really quickly. So many we? words we we didn't discuss. Do, should I mention the words? Yeah, mention the words that we didn't have time to discuss. Gender. Gender. Gardens, meaning um, gardens. The common. Okay. Uh, guitar. 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 Whatever. Old news. Mm-hmm. Gnotis- gnosticism, which is like a very difficult emotionally topic because it's related to a friend of ours we have a difficult relationship with. At the moment. At the moment. So we couldn't do it. God. God. Uh, grinder. Grinder. I mean, we kind sp- of did. Kind of did. Gaslighting. Gaslighting. Very difficult thing. Mm. When you get to feel it. Indeed, even as a Gemini. Even as a Gemini, it's like it's beyond really any kind unpleasant. of uh, ability yes, mm-hmm. to deal with it. Golden Dawn. Golden Dawn. Oh, so we had a lot of words today. <laughs> uh, GIFs. Oh, like animated GIFs or GIFs. Yeah, not GIFs, GIFs. Okay. Uh, gifts. Gifts. Oh, I love gifts. I know. Oh, it's it's a pity because we would give p- tips tips to people, so they get more gifts. Look, I'm gonna I'm gonna have it on P on, as presents. All right, nice. Okay. The English approach. And that's it. Gigs, gigs. Oh, you hate gigs. Because I hate gigs. Yeah. Music. Anyway, uh, let's move into the last word for the, <laughs> the day. Last word for the day is uh, graphic design. Graphic design. What a horrible thing. What a horrible Why thing. Why would it finish with this horrible? It's very difficult. But um, you have lots of experience of graphic designers as I people. I have lots of experience with graphic designers. It's to be honest, I don't. Almost uncanny how many graphic designers were You're like passed by my life in you know in the last 20 years. <laughs> so uh, is it an accident? Is, uh, is it like... I, I don't know. If my friend Michael, who's a graphic designer... What did he kind say? Of, did he explain Strange it? graphic designer. He found a theory. Yes, has a theory called <laughs> the Theta Factor. He says that... Which very beautifully that, sounds like the Theta Factor. Yeah, but the Theta Factor is that my face is like a Greek Theta mm. because I have this one-line eyebrow and like hair on top and hair underneath. Mm. So I'm actually perfectly symmetrical. <laughs> So he thinks that there is something very appealing to graphic designers in, on my face. <laughs> so visually. Um, I spend uh, about 10 years of my life dating graphic designers and destroying their relationship to graphic design. It's terrible. Why that, would you do that? that? Why would I do that? Because I kind of like, I was like, oh, what do you do? And I said, oh, I, I'm kind of filmmaker or musician mm-hmm. and so on. And then I was like, and then the, the other person would say, and I'm a graphic designer. Mm. And then I would say, Oh, you know, graphic design isn't really something. It's more like a meta medium. Mm, your friend <laughs> to break the ice. Yeah, that was like the br- breaking the ice conversation. <laughs> like you know, just so that you know, it's not it's not actually something. <laughs> um, soon I as soon I dis- that's I, I, how you start a good relationship. Exactly. Soon I I, I realized that uh, graphic design actually isn't something. Typography is mm-hmm, something. Mm-hmm. But graphic design isn't really something. Um, graphic design is, I don't know, maybe a 90s idea that there are nice and beautiful and not nice and not beautiful way of doing things, mm. which of course in every generation changes drastically. Mm-mm. So graphic design isn't really something. <laughs> um, and I would say there is, I mean, my, my problem with it is that <laughs> it's sort of 
there is a graphic designation of of a, of, a, of, of a of time. Life. For example, Vimeo mm-hmm. or Spotify. You 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 sometimes say Spotify music. What does that <laughs> actually mean? Or Vimeo film? I say. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. O- obviously, these are just. Containers. Yeah. These are containers. They do not have one aesthetic. However, mm-hmm. there is something about this well-laid and pleasantly presented material, mm. and that's what graphic design frequently is. Mm-mm. It's this idea that you know, it's like you have to present it Mm-mm-mm. with some kind of you know elegance. Elegance, exactly. Finesse. Even, even finesse. Even if the elegance is of a kind of alternative nature mm, or like aggressive like deconstructive rarely rare <laughs> aggressive and deconstructive but yeah and so i don't know any anytime i i'm i, I feel like i'm somewhere and there is a a sort of sense of mediocre mm. all along quality side of it i'm like oh this is like a party with graphic design <laughs> <laughs> but okay there are like there are like many layers because there is graphic design as a meta medium as you presented But then there are like the people who practice it, and then there are the gay people who practice graphic design. And they're like, you know, you think there is a there are, there's a, com- a complexity there. Yeah, no, not necessarily complex in in sense of nuance, mm-hmm. but uh, in but the sense of intersection, more, more layers. Of, yes, oh, yeah, of identities. I see. I see. Yeah. I mean, and the then you have the bear graphic designers with even like more. <coughs> I mean, what's the deal with it's bear really graphic nice designers? Why, why are most graphic designers <laughs> either bears or like I don't know? Actually, I wanted to say the other the other thing. Why are most bears either graphic designers or nurses or something? Mm. At least in the UK, these are the two options. Options, yeah, yeah. You rarely get. Other I mean, I, I presume you have an answer. If you don't have an answer, then who does? I don't know. You're so good at generalizing. <laughs> I'm very good at generalizing. I haven't really found the reason for that. Um, and since we, it's funny, since we you, we mentioned bears. Uh, But you know what William Blake said? What did William Blake say? To generalize yeah. is to be an idiot. Yeah. This, that's what that's he said. it. No, it has more. To particularize is the alone distinction of merit. But the second part is not as good. Okay, thank you for this important note. And since we mentioned bears, I'm going to play the last song for the day by a Very band nice called, by a band called Grauzone. And the song, I was originally planning to play an obscure song, but here my colleague said to me, oh, come on, give it a rest. Finally. Give it a rest with your geeky... Uh, trying to be obscure and avant-gardist and so on and give the crowds something popular. So here it is, Ice Bear. Goodbye. Good night.
im kalten Polar. Dann müsste ich nicht mehr schreien. All das wäre so klar. Ich möchte ein Eisbär sein. Im kalten Polar. Dann müsste ich nicht mehr schreien. All das wäre so klar. Thank <laughs> you. 